the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Listen, here's the point the cross of Christ is the message we preach. So don't invite unnecessary conflicts with unbelievers by giving them a lecture on such things, as I said before, on, on morality, on ethics, or, or even on your political views. The gospel is what they need, not these other things. Those are peripheral issues. Now, they may be true issues. They may be even based on the Bible. But the gospel is what they need. And if they attack us, let them attack us over the message of the cross, not anything else. Hello, this is Peter Silseth. I would like to welcome you to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class led by pastor teacher Steve Kreloff. These daily classes are an extension of Pastor Steve's more than 26 years of ministry at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today's class is the final part of Pastor Steve's introductory message about opposition to the gospel, taken from Matthew chapter 10. Pastor Steve will be sharing more about that today, and then we will move on to the other side of the discussion, knowing that there are hills worth dying for. We must never compromise on the truth of the gospel in order to avoid persecution. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gave instructions to his disciples as he sent them on their first missions trip. He warned them that they would face opposition, and in the future, the opposition would become extreme. He said it in verse 16, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Those were word pictures that were easily understood in that culture. Now here is Pastor Steve to put it into our context. See, this is what it means to be wise as a serpent. Use your head. Use common sanctified sense in speaking to and dealing with the unsaved. I think one of the best examples of an evangelistic outreach that was characterized by this serpent-like wisdom was the Apostle Paul. When he said in 1 Corinthians 9, he said, I became all things to all men that I might win some. And he said, when I was with the Jewish people, I became like a Jew. And he was a Jew, but he said he acted as if he was an unsaved Jewish person. Now, he didn't compromise the truth. What did he mean by that? He meant something like this. He made sure that when he was with Jewish people, that he ate only their kosher food that he made on their kosher food without, note this, without feeling compelled to give these folks a lecture on the ceremonial laws and traditions of Judaism being unnecessary now that Christ has come. Now, was it true? Sure, it was true. Did Paul have to eat kosher food? No. He was free to eat whatever he wanted to. He could eat like a Gentile for the first time in his life. But he didn't do that when he was with Jewish people. And why didn't Paul speak up about these things, even though they were true? Because it was unnecessary. It would have alienated these Jewish people from the gospel and been the unwise thing to do. 
And Jesus commanded us to be wise as serpents. Listen, here's the point. The cross of Christ is the message we preach. So don't invite unnecessary conflicts with unbelievers by giving them a lecture on such things, as I said before, on on morality, on ethics, or, or even on your political views. The gospel is what they need, not these other things. Those are peripheral issues. Now, they may be true issues. They may be even based on the Bible. But the gospel is what they need. And if they attack us, let them attack us over the message of the cross, not anything else. I remember being in Italy one time, and Michelle and I were with uh, some folks from a church and ministry um, evangelizing. We would be involved in mimes because we didn't speak the language, but some of the folks from the Italian evangelical, uh, an Italian evangelical church were, were there, and uh, I didn't need to know the language to know that they were in a heated argument. I know that Italians are fiery people, but this was beyond that. And so um, they, were, they were arguing with some folks. And so I said to our translator later, I said, what, what, what was that about? He said, these folks were arguing over Mary, whether the Catholic Church should worship her, whether it was wrong. And you know what? I would agree with them. We should never worship Mary, but they were unwise to be arguing about that. These folks didn't need to know about Mary. They need to know about Jesus. They need to know the gospel. And they probably will never have another opportunity to speak to these folks again. And all they did was to arise out of these folks an argument that was a peripheral issue. That's what the Lord is talking about. If you're going to suffer, suffer for the gospel message. When Paul came to to Corinth, he said, I determined to know nothing amongst you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Don't try to draw me out into an argument about philosophy, about any of these other things. I'm here to tell you about Christ. And if you persecute me, you persecute me about him. That's what he's talking about. Don't incite unnecessary arguments and and dangerous opposition because you feel compelled to tell everybody your opinion about biblical issues. Those may come later, but the gospel is what they need. It's dangerous enough with the gospel. Don't incite more dangerous situations because of other things. But notice this, in addition, and here's the balance, in addition to being shrewd as serpents, Matthew tells us that the Lord also commanded us to be innocent as doves. Now, what did he mean by this? This is this all fits together. The word that the Lord uses here to describe doves, the word innocent, essentially means to be pure in the sense of being unmixed with sin. We would say like a pure metal that is unmixed with any tainted elements, something like pure gold or pure silver. It doesn't have uh, other things thrown in. What Jesus was saying then is that believers are to make sure that in dealing with unbelievers, the wolves, that their lives are pure and godly without, note this, any mixture of compromise to the truth. In other words, though we are to be shrewd as serpents so that we don't incite unnecessary conflicts, we are also to be innocent as doves so that we never compromise God's word in order, watch this, to avoid conflicts. Conflicts, some conflicts are unavoidable. And we have to make sure that we don't compromise the truth to avoid these conflicts. See, what the Lord is commanding us is as we minister the gospel to non-Christians, make sure that we don't avoid persecution by diluting the message of Scripture, making it more palatable for people, or living in such a way that we deny by our very lives the holy standards of Scripture. Now, in what ways do we have to be careful that we don't compromise the message of God's Word? Well, 
we can compromise the message by watering it down. And there are many preachers in public who do that. There are many Christian witnesses who in private do that. How do we do it? Well, to compromise the gospel, water it down, you minimize sin. You just hardly talk about it. Everything is just positive. Very, some well-known ministries that all it is is positive stuff, joy, peace, love. But sin is minimized. You fail to stress the need for repentance. Or if you do mention repentance, you simply water it down by saying, well, it's changing your mind. You don't talk about forsaking your sin. You water down the gospel by denying man's lostness apart from Christ and saying, no, everybody will really be saved ultimately in the end. And you, you deny the doctrines of judgment and, and hell and you teach a universal salvation for all. God is so loving, he wouldn't possibly send anyone to hell. That's that type of stuff. You reject Christ's lordship as part of the gospel message. You say, just pray this prayer, say these words, this magic word, and uh, pray the sinner's prayer and you're in. And you never stress following Christ. You never stress turning from sin. You never stress what it means to to really trust him and surrender to him. You see, those who only talk about the positive truths of Christianity and ignore these negative critical issues, they compromise the gospel. Nobody gets annoyed at them. Who possibly get annoyed at a message that's diluted like that? Even unbelievers will greet you. In fact, that's really what's behind the seeker-sensitive movement. We wouldn't possibly want anybody to be offended because they might not come back the next Sunday. So we just tell them what they want to hear. Folks, Jesus said, don't compromise. Be innocent, be pure as doves, pure in the sense of our lives match up with the word of God. The gospel is also compromised by simply lowering the standards of God's holiness so that we make people feel comfortable with Christianity. Anything goes. I'm tolerant. Whatever your lifestyle is, that's fine with me. You do your thing, I'll do my, that that type of thing. So everybody's comfortable. But surrendering the vital gospel truths just isn't biblical Christianity, nor is it the way Jesus told us to deal with the wolves of this world. And of course, it's so easy to avoid conflicts with unbelievers by simply behaving in a way that compromises scripture. I just fit in, live like them, talk like them, have the same kind of morality. The world loves its own. You're not going to draw their wrath and scorn upon yourself when you're just like them. Laugh at their dirty jokes. Handle money the same, the same way as they do. Have the same vulgar approach to life, and the world will love you. But it would be a compromise. And so Christ's words to us as he sends us out to witness to dangerous wolves is this. Be wise so that you don't stir up unnecessary conflicts, but be pure so that you aren't guilty of avoiding those necessary conflicts because of the truth of the gospel. Use your head, but never compromise. That's in essence what he's saying. But having now told them the general overall truth, that it's dangerous out there, and we're sheep being thrust to the wolves, the Lord now begins to get very specific as he identifies and really calls our attention to the, to the various types of wolves that we will encounter. These are the specific types of people to watch out for, and these are the specific areas of life from which persecution will arise. The Lord mentions four areas of persecution, four types of people. We'll only have time to look at one of them today. We will look into that first type of people who oppose the gospel in just a minute. 
First, we would like to greet those of you who just tuned us in. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We are involved in a series of lessons taken from Matthew chapter 10, dealing with opposition to the gospel. Not too long ago, I heard someone say something that I thought was profound. He said, think how much better the world would be if people stopped enduring religion and started enjoying salvation. Well, lots of people have told me they admire my religion. When that happens, I make sure I point out to them the difference between religion and salvation. Turn in your Bible, if you can, to Matthew chapter 10, verse 17. Here is Pastor Steve with more. The first area where we can expect persecution to arise from is from religious people. That may be surprising to you, but religious people, and I'm using the term religious in the sense of people who don't know Christ, but they are involved deeply and feel passionate about their religion of do's and don'ts and man-made rules, sort of organized religion, whatever label it might come in. Verse 17, he says this, but beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. Now, the Lord is telling us having said that there are dangerous wolves out there, now he's identifying them as men. And he's using men in a generic sense, not men as opposed to women. He's just saying, beware, pay attention, be alert. He tells us to beware of of men, but not just men. He's telling us about a specific kind of individual, those people who have a religious orientation, not, not men and women in general. And we know that this is exactly what he's talking about because he, he tells the apostles that these are the ones who will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. The courts he's talking about are not civil courts. These are religious councils. That's, that's really a better way to translate it, the councils. The, literally, I believe it's the Sanhedrins. There was a major Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, but there were Sanhedrin just means councils. Local Jewish religious councils that consisted of judges in the Jewish community who were responsible for trying criminal cases. That's what he's talking about. Any Jewish person who was accused of breaking the law of Moses or the tradition of the rabbis was brought before these councils. And if found guilty, they would be punished. And often the punishment was exactly how Jesus described it. He said they will scourge you in their synagogues. You see, in the ancient world, synagogues were not only places where Jewish people gathered to worship, but they were also places where civil justice was administered. And those who were found guilty by the local council were often punished by being openly scourged, which means they were flogged. They were, they were whipped in the synagogue. I mean, talk about a tough church discipline. That's what this is talking about. The scourging itself consisted of being whipped 39 times. Why 39 times? Because in Deuteronomy, it says 40 times was the max. And because the Jewish people were so legalistic and so concerned about the letter of the law, they wanted to make sure they didn't go over 40. So they always did 39 because if they made a mistake, they wouldn't be in danger of breaking the law. Three judges were usually involved in carrying out this, this scourging. One judge would read out loud a passage of scripture. Another judge did the actual flogging. And a third judge would count the lashes until they totaled 39. So it was a, a rather uh, large spectacle that took place in the synagogue as people watched. 
Uh, Jesus specifically warned the apostles to be careful about this type of persecution from their fellow Jews. They were Jewish. This is what they could expect. Because remember, in the early days of the church, the only religious persecution experienced by believers came from Jewish people who were passionate about their religion and looked upon these Jewish followers of Jesus as being traitors. But the principle that Jesus was teaching is far broader than persecution simply arising from religious Jewish people. The Lord, note this, is warning us as his followers to be careful about a certain type of persecution that comes from those who are zealous about their religion. Organized religion down through the centuries has been the most zealous and passionate about persecuting biblical Christianity. That's just a fact of history. And though Jesus didn't explain why religious people and organized religion persecute Christians so often, he didn't explain it here in Matthew 10. He did later in his ministry give some explanation about this. Let me read to you John 16, verse 2. Jesus said, speaking of persecution, he said, and it sounds very similar to what he taught them in Matthew 10. John 16, 2. They will make you outcast from their synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he's offering service to God. They think that in doing so, they're, they're serving God. It's just like militant Islam today. They think that it's a service to God. Well, that's how organized religion is. Those who deeply believe in their religion see the gospel as an affront to their beliefs. They think they're serving God by attacking Christians and the gospel. And that's precisely why the Apostle Paul, before his conversion, persecuted Christians, because he was so zealous for the law, and he was so zealous for the God of Israel, that when he heard these Jewish believers saying that Jesus was God, he said, it's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. And he killed some, and he was throwing others in prison. That's, that's exactly why. Now listen, here's what each of us need to be aware of. Some of the most, as I said, extreme opposition to the gospel will come from people who are most passionate about their religious beliefs. Why? Folks, because they're very threatened by the gospel, because the gospel is so different from their religion. That's really the issue. The gospel is about God's grace and mercy of forgiveness and justification that is freely given to us in Christ. But religion It's just the opposite. It's about man's rules, man's traditions that he self-righteously attempts to live by in order to try to merit his way into heaven. It's just the opposite message. We come and say, you're so sinful that you need a savior. And they're offended by that. They get mad at us because their righteous, their self-righteous pride is wounded by the gospel. How dare somebody say not only that you're a sinner, but that you're such a sinner that you need a savior, that nothing you can do is righteous before God. And that until you recognize that, you'll never see your need for Christ. And they're offended by that. They think that, yes, they may say, well, I know that I'm, I'm not perfect. I know that I'm sinful, but I don't think I'm that bad that I can't earn my way to heaven. And we come along and say, not only that you're that bad, you're worse than you think you are, just like all of us. And the gospel presents Christ as the answer. You need a savior. You're not the savior. Your good works can't save you. Your baptism can't save you. So they don't think they're sinful enough. And in light of of their religious self-righteousness, what should we do? What should we do in in light of the fact that they're going to get mad at us and they're going to hate us and they're going to want to argue with us? 
The answer is be as shrewd and wise as a serpent and as innocent as a dove in the way you minister to the religious unbeliever. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have religious unbelievers in your family, relatives, and they hate the gospel and they hate what you have to say. So be wise. Don't incite unnecessary conflicts with them over, over unimportant peripheral issues. Don't get into that. You're going to be hated, be hated for the gospel. And don't avoid necessary conflicts by compromising the gospel. Be true to the Lord and true to his word. Let's bow for prayer. The major question today to every one of us is this. Are you one of Christ's sheep? Are you one of his sheep? Or are you really just a religious wolf who hates the gospel? You may be in church, but that doesn't mean you're one of his sheep. Do you deep in your heart despise the gospel because it wounds your pride? You need to become one of Christ's sheep. And the only way to do that is by trusting him as the shepherd who died for his sheep. I urge you, come to him today. Turn from your sin. Turn from anything you're trusting in and turn to the Savior who died for those who would believe. Believe on him. And the Bible says you will be justified, declared righteous in his sight. And I would also encourage every believer here today to consider if you're wise in your witnessing so that you aren't creating conflicts with, with unbelievers over unessential side issues. Think about it. When you witness, why do people get upset with you? Are you discussing things like, like Mary and, and politics and ethics and morality? Is that what, what you're discussing? Don't do that. Give them the gospel. They're sinners. Christ died for sinners. God's holiness, justice has to be satisfied. They need to turn from whatever they're trusting in and their sin to trust Christ. If there's a conflict, let it be a conflict over that. So be wise in your witnessing. Don't create and incite unnecessary conflicts and dangers. And I would encourage you also to evaluate if you are avoiding some conflicts because you're compromising the gospel, either in the way you say it or the way you live it. Nobody enjoys conflicts, but God's grace will always be sufficient for whatever situation we find ourselves in. Father, we thank you for teaching us this morning. We thank you for these words. And Lord, we feel like we're just sitting in on the instructions Jesus gave to his men on the shores of Galilee 2,000 years ago, but how relevant they are to us and for us. Lord, we pray that you'll help us to really think through, have we been shrewd as serpents? Have we been innocent as doves? And I pray, Lord, you'll help us, especially in light of religious people, to be wise in what we say, to have the, the most um, godly discernment that's needed in how we approach them. And we pray, Lord, for family members and and uh, relatives and friends who are religious and passionate about their religion. Lord, may some of them be drawn to you so that these, these religious wolves would become your sheep. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Karl Marx called religion the opiate of the masses. And you know what? He was right. Religion will do one of two things. Either it will keep us in constant fear that we haven't done enough, or it will make us think that we are earning eternal life. 
What it will not do is pay the sin debt we have all incurred. Jesus went to the cross voluntarily. But if there was another way for us to gain eternal life, he would have been a fool to suffer needlessly. He paid a debt that he didn't owe because you and I owed a debt we could never pay. When God someday asks us why he should allow us into heaven, only one answer will do. Our study is over for today, but we will continue next time in Matthew chapter 10. You have been listening to Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse is a product of Pastor Steve's 26-plus years of ministry at Lakeside and is produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported through the gifts and prayers of listeners like you who are first faithful to your own local churches. Today's class was the conclusion of a three-part message. If you would like to hear the entire message, you can order an audio CD or a cassette tape by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-441-1714. If you would like to hear today's program again, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. We not only have today's class available, but you will also find previous lessons on the archives page. While you're there, perhaps you would like to sign up for our free podcasting service or our complimentary newsletter. Once more, the web address is versebyverseradio.org. Today we considered one of the groups who opposed the gospel. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.